to seven weeks probably. Uh, James has five chapters. And James, a lot of y'all know, James is my favorite book in the New Testament. I love James. And, and I, I tell you, it's short. Like I said, it's only five chapters. And, and the cool thing about that is all, this is literally my notes and my outlines are longer than the actual book is. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to preach for eight hours, but I'm just letting y'all know that it's such a short book, but it's got such great stuff in it, right? Like, we're going to get so much out of this over the next few weeks. But obviously today, we're going to go through James chapter 1. That's what we're going to go through. I'm going to try and finish it. If not, we'll continue it on to next week. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. That's where I need y'all to go. I was about to say, y'all all should be there. I talked for a long time. I get no respect around here, like none at all. Another reason I miss Mikey, at least he gave me a little respect. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from us, or excuse me, coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. Thank, thank you, Father, just the victories that have been overflowing this week. God, I just I praise you for that. And um, I praise you for humility. Um, I even praise you in the moments of this week that, of uncertainty. Because, Father, I know that you can always take what's bad and make it good. You can take what's uncertain and make it truth. So, God, we just I humbly stand before you and thank you for that. Thank you for allowing a sinner like myself to just be a small part of your church. God, you've given me a word today, and I want to thank you for allowing me to teach on my favorite book. You have given me a lot of hard things to preach over in the past few months, and I appreciate something that, that God, I'm not gonna, it's a little easier for me. Thank you. Father, I need the people to hear this. I need them to know and understand that this book has so much wisdom in it. They need to grasp it and they need to run with it. So, Father, I ask that you open the hearts, the ears, and the minds of every person in this room. And God, in this moment, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I ask that you take all of my uncertainty, my pride, my anger, just all my struggles, Father, I ask that you take them away from me and you replace them with nothing but you. I ask that you take those things and you cast them as far away from me as possible. God, I ask that you anoint me with your love, your wisdom, and your patience. I ask all these things in your name, Father, help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. So, since we're talking about James, the title of today's message is the book of James. I made that, by the way. It's kind of cool. I found that Bible picture, and, but it's a little blurry. I must have messed something up. Or is that y'all's fault? Y'all done messed something up today. I mean, is this something else? Is that no? Uh, you're supposed to take the blame for things. Today, again, we're going to start this series um, there are four men mentioned with the name of James in the New Testament. 
There are two disciples, one father of a disciple, and then Jesus' half-brother. Some people forget that Jesus had, uh, excuse me, had not only one brother, but he had four brothers. Uh, Jesus also had, some of y'all don't know this, he actually had some sisters. We don't know how many, it just mentioned that he had sisters in the New Testament. He is the half-brother, okay? Some people look at me funny when I say that, need to understand that is not Joseph's son. Jesus is not Joseph's son, that is God's son, correct? We all understand this? Okay, that's why he's a half-brother, of these four men, a lot of people have questioned who is the author of this book, but for many verifications and multiple sources in the New Testament, we have come to the conclusion that James, the half-brother of Jesus, is the actual author of this book. I want to give you guys some background on James. In John chapter 7, we find out that James was a non-believer of his brother Jesus. We talk about that. Remember, he went to his hometown. We talked on this a while back. Went to his hometown, and, and nobody believed him. He couldn't perform any miracles because nobody had faith in him because they looked at him as, that's Joseph's son, okay? Even his own family did not believe him. However, after his death and resurrection, Jesus made a special appearance to James in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is when James finally realized that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God. And then in Acts chapter 1, James was in the upper room along with the rest of the disciples at the day of Pentecost. This is when he became a true disciple of his brother Jesus Christ after he received the Holy Spirit. After this, James became a huge part of the mother church in Jerusalem along with the disciples Peter and John. I didn't even think about this. Hmm. Okay, I want y'all to think about this. Okay, so he was a huge part. After Jesus, after the resurrection, James became a big part of the mother church in Jerusalem. The main church, right? The church that Peter and John were also leaders in. Again, in John chapter 7, we find out that James is an unbeliever. Peter and John are disciples of Jesus at that time. So I need you all to envision this. Whenever they went to Jesus' hometown, Peter and John, they're with Jesus. They believe that that's the Son of God. They're right there with him. And they meet Jesus' half-brother. And they realize Jesus' half-brother completely denies the man. Thinks he's crazy. I mean, literally, thought he was crazy. After the death and resurrection... James realizes that he was wrong. I don't know about y'all, but for me, if I followed a man for three years and I gave my blood, sweat, and tears to him, and then all of a sudden this mother church, that's what it's called, is created, and I'm going to run this thing because I followed Jesus for three years, but then all of a sudden we feel the Holy Spirit tell us that that one that denied him, his own brother, he needs to come too. I don't know about y'all, but my pride would kind of get in the way there. I wouldn't like that. I mean, I, I walked with this man for three years. I believed in him. He didn't. Why should he be a leader in the church? Guys, that goes to show you that when Jesus shows up, he'll change your life. These two men saw that. They're not going to allow him to come and be a huge leader of this church unless they see it. When Jesus shows up, people see the difference. So what I'm getting at is, is when you have a brother that you walked with or a sister that you walked with in your past, and they were an unbeliever, 
and now they say they are, take time to visit with them, check it out. And if they are, accept them right back into that leadership role. Let them in. Let them walk with you. Lead by example for these people, the ones that, again, I know that's what Peter and John were doing. They were allowing James in, and then James was being taught by these two men. So don't give up on people. Just because they denied it in the past doesn't mean that they won't show up in the future with the right set of mind. Amen? That's the power of Jesus. Years later, James came back, and he was actually the lead pastor of this mother church. In fact, today, churches and private Christian schools are named after him, St. James. There's a St. James Episcopal Church here in Texarkana and a St. James Day School here in Texarkana. Jewish scholars said that James had a nickname. This nickname was given to him by the people of the church. It was called Camel Knees. That's what they called him. Did y'all get Camel Knees? I did not mispronounce that. We laugh at that and we think, well, that's a funky name. Why would people of the church, that's like y'all call me Camel Knees, okay? But here's the thing, if y'all are calling me Camel Knees for the same reason that they called James that, I'll accept it. The reason they called him that, his knees were so calloused and cut up from praying on his knees all the time. I'd accept that. It's pretty stout, right? It's not as funny as you thought it was. I say, I'll start laughing at camel knees. Now what do y'all think? Y'all ain't laughing no more. The book of James is an outline of how Christians should live. It's a book full of wisdom. Now that you guys have a background on James, I want to get started. So we're going to go right off the bat. Open your Bibles. We're going to right there, right where you were. We're going to be at chapter 1, and we're literally going to start at verse 1 right off the bat. I have three Bibles here today that I'm going to be flipping in and out of, so y'all be patient with me. Please. I'm reading this first few verses, first couple verses, from the New Living Translation. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop right there. James, the lead pastor of the mother church, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. I know that James is a very humble man before I even read the rest of this book, which, by the way, when you read it, you're going to find out he's an extremely humble man. But before I even read anymore, that's all I need is the greeting. He could have easily said, James, half-brother of Jesus. James, lead pastor of the mother church. James, the man that walked with the disciples. The man that was taught by Peter and John. He could have said that. But he says, I'm a slave to Christ. We need to all have that kind of humility. I love my boy James, like right off the bat. I love him. Uh, let's see here. We're at, uh, I am greeting, or excuse me, I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Okay? The reason why he says Jewish leaders, or excuse me, Jewish, okay, Jewish believers scattered abroad. James and Peter, those were the two main disciples once the day of Pentecost was over that talked to the Jewish people, okay? That was their job. When he's writing this letter, that's who he's speaking to, okay? But we find out later on in this book that there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, right? So he's talking to all of us. I need you all to get that point right off the bat. 
Paul was the disciple after Pentecost and so forth that was the one for the Gentiles, which is us. If y'all don't know that, we're the Gentiles. Gentile is anything that's not a Jew, okay? That's what it is. But James, is, he's speaking to the Jewish people through this letter. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. We'll stop right there. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, he didn't say not if, he said when. In other words, we're going to always have troubles, right? The world that we live in is pretty obvious, especially today, we're going to have troubles. So this book is preparing you, I need y'all to understand this, as you're reading this letter from, from James, he's telling you right off the bat, I'm preparing you how to handle these troubles. Verse 3. I'll we'll skip over to the Holman Christian Bible. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Go to verse 5. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. Okay, I want y'all to look at this slide. This is my Bible. It's the actual one that I'm sitting here reading from. Consider it a great joy when you're experiencing these various trials. Okay, and you're like, well, why would you say that? Now, that's verse 2, but knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Okay, so these trials... The more that you go through, the more issues that you go through, obviously it's going to give you strength, right? It's going to give you strength. But endurance must do its complete work. If you notice, I've underlined the word complete, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Okay, so the endurance, the strength to make you stronger, you're not going to grow any stronger as a Christian until it's complete. It doesn't need to go halfway. The trials and the tribulations that you're going through, you might be sitting there halfway through it, and you think you can't handle it anymore. Endure some more, guys. Let it be complete. Because here's the great thing, is when it's complete, you will be mature. Now, if you noticed verse 5 right below it, I have wisdom boxed, and I have mature boxed, and it says the same. If you read verse 4, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be wise. Maturity is wisdom. Throw that next slide up there for me, guys. Endurance turns into maturity. Maturity turns into wisdom. So the endurance that you have to handle, that you have to go through, in turn, again, turns into that maturity. You're getting, you're getting smarter. You're getting stronger, right? And then all of a sudden, you're wise. So all the issues that you go through, all the trials and tribulations that you go through, James is trying to tell you to, to take that as, as something great because you're going to become wise from it. Are y'all following me at all with any of this? Okay, because everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy, okay? I need like, thank you. I had two people agree with me. I got two people listening today. That's great. I'm going to stay in the home, and I want to read verses 6 through 8. Actually, no, I'm sorry, i got to stay on five. Now, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God. Okay, so I need to stop right there and explain something to you guys. 
if you're in the middle of a trial, a tribulation, an issue, a, a hard time in your life, and that endurance is hard, and it's really tough, and you can't figure out, you know, I just said earlier, like, don't let it just go halfway. You want to go all the way through this so it'll grow you. But let's say, man, halfway has been years, and you can't understand why you're still facing these same trials and these same tribulations. That very next verse tells you to ask God why. Ask for the wisdom. He'll give it to you. When you're struggling through those things, and, and here's the thing, I need y'all to understand this. I really need y'all to grasp this. If you're going through the same thing over and over, if there's no end to this tribulation that you're going through, you just need to talk to your father. Ask him. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll show you what's going on. And I need to tell you something else, and I taught this to a guy just the other day. If he doesn't give you an answer, it's because he already has, and it's in this book, and you need to pick it up and read it. There's a lot of us that struggle with that. I can't tell you how many people will come to me and say, Mike, I'm, I'm struggling with this. How do I get through it? Well, hang on. Let's go look. If he doesn't say anything to you, I've learned this in my walk. It's in that book. The great news is, is we have this thing called Google where we can actually Google the problem and we don't have to sit here and read the whole book, right? Amen to that. A lot of people hate computers and internet and all that kind of stuff. I, I hate it. Don't get me wrong, especially social media. That's a whole different sermon. We'll talk about that later. But, but I use it for stuff like this because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lazy. You know, like I, I want to get there quickly, right? I got too much to do. Use it for that very purpose, guys. Okay, now let's go to verse 6 through 8. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. That's pretty much self-explanatory. That verse tells me that if you continue to lack in faith and you continue to question God and you don't give the effort to actually go out and receive it from him, you are going to be stuck in those trials and tribulations. We can't be lazy Christians, guys. Verses 9 through 12, I'm actually going to read this from the Living Bible. Like I said, y'all bear with me. I got to make sure I'm getting this right. A Christian who doesn't amount to much in this world should be glad. Mm. He just gave me something. Okay. A Christian who doesn't amount to much in the world should be glad, for he is great in the Lord's sight. Okay, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Because you're thinking like, because the very next verse it talks about, but a rich man should be glad uh, that the riches mean nothing to the Lord. Okay, well, if you're not a rich person on earth, why should you be glad because you're great in the Lord's sight? The reason you're great in the Lord's sight is this. I'm going to give you this. What makes our lives, material lives, easier on this earth? Money. Money makes it easy. It doesn't make your spiritual life easy. 
it makes the material life easy. So, the poor person, just reading this, this is what I just, it just hit me. The ones that struggle with finances or struggle with other things, it doesn't have to be money, but just struggles in the lack of something in an area, they lean on God a lot more in those areas. Therefore, they're growing closer to God. Y'all feel me there? Think about it. I mean, really, if you're going, <laughs> this, is, this is honest truth, okay? Let's say, you know, you, you got a bunch of money in the bank, business has been good, your job, you got this big promotion, or you got this big bonus and so forth, and, and like everything's rolling, everything's great, and the next thing you know, you look up and this pandemic hits, and you done ran out of money. Well, that year everything was great. You probably didn't go get on your knees to God and start begging for some help, did you? But I bet you did when the pandemic hit. It's sad that it's things like that that do grow us closer to God and builds our relationship. Guys, praise him in every moment. Praise him in every moment, good or bad. Continue to build that relationship with him. That way, when you are going through these tribulations, he's right there. He's ready to go because that relationship's already strong, and you know to go to him, and you know how to listen to him, and you know how to hear him. Stay close with him, guys, regardless of how good the situation is or bad. Verse 10, but a rich man should be glad that his riches mean nothing to the Lord, for he will soon be gone, like a flower that has lost its beauty and fades away withered, killed by the scorching summer sun. So it is with rich men, they will soon die and leave behind all their busy activities. I'm not going to talk to just rich men right here. I'm going to talk to all men. Y'all going to be mad at me. Show of hands, how many men in here love to hunt? Come on now, y'all. Don't be shy. All you rednecks in here, there got to be a bunch of hands. How many of y'all like to play golf? Show of hands. We got more golfers than we do hunters. That's terrible. I think some of y'all just scared to raise your hand because you know I'm finna hit y'all with this. Men, that 12-point buck that you killed last year that's mounted on your wall, you ain't taking that to heaven. God care less about that 12-point buck. Care less about it. That golf trophy that's sitting up on the mantle, that's not going with you to heaven. You put in a lot of time and a lot of effort into that, right? Hours upon hours. And I'm preaching to myself because I'm very guilty of this. I used to play a lot of golf. Where were your kids when you were practicing? Where was your wife when you were setting up that stand? Some of you are like, my wife was with me, man. She likes to hunt just as much as I do. <laughs> Amen, right? But my wife didn't. My kids didn't go to the golf course with me. I finally realized it one day. I'll never forget when I realized it. I was playing in a golf tournament. It was a three-day golf tournament. It was the second day. And I got through, turn it up. <laughs> second day. Backside, I was teeing off on number 10, hit my tee shot, and I got down. I was actually walking, and I walked down to my ball, and all I could think about was what was going on at my house. 